Hello, welcome to this week's Therapy For Me. And before we start, can I take the opportunity to wish you a happy Easter? Uh, obviously, it's Good Friday, I'm recording on Good Friday, so it's nice on, the, uh, on one of the days to be able to wish you a, a happy Easter. Uh, and we will kick off, but you can probably, uh, you can probably hear I'm actually sat outside in the garden. Uh, it's been the first time, really, I've been able to do this and do a TFM out in the in, in the garden. Uh, weather's not seemed to be as good so far this year to allow this kind of stuff to, to go on. But it's, it's half past seven um, and it's very pleasant and I'm sat out with a glass of wine uh, and I will, I'm hoping those good vibes will work the way through into this week's TFM. So let's get started with a little bit of that twangy guitar. Monday. Spring has definitely started to spring, or whatever it is that spring does, um, and it's creating some kerfuffle. Um, it's creating some kerfuffle in the bedroom um, and the reason being that we've got a nest uh, just in the side of the well it's in the it's we're assuming it's somewhere in the loft or somewhere under the loft or something not quite sure exactly where but there's a nest and you can hear um, the the birds um, in the left hand corner of our you know, of our bedroom and they seem to get very animated we've clearly got baby birds as well and they seem to get very animated about five o'clock in the morning so we're being woken at five in the morning by the sound of whatever's going on in the nest now as i say i'm not quite sure where it is per se uh, whether it's actually in the loft i don't know if that's a thing or not or whether it's somewhere you know within um, the just below the the roof i'm not quite i'm not quite sure but there's definitely something there's definitely something there and it's and it's creating a lot of noise because when the young ones seem to want feeding uh, and which seems to be about five in the morning then uh, as i say there's quite a lot of and of course at that time in the morning any sound sounds like an earthquake um so you know and actually funnily enough i'm sat now at the back of the garden looking up at the corner where it would be just to see if there's any indication of, of where the birds are actually flying into. Um, it's been going on. It went on last year, but we don't remember them being, we don't remember this amount of noise, so we don't think the, that actually, you know, maybe maybe the nest was built last year, but there perhaps weren't any chicks. But um, in fact, is chicks the right word? I don't know. Is that the right word for a, a baby, whatever it is? I don't even know what it is. I don't even know what bird it is. But um, all I can tell you is that there's something going on there. Probably ought to really find out what it is in case there's some kind of menagerie going on in the loft. Um, but there's definitely something goes on and it definitely creates all manner of mayhem around about five in the morning, which is, to be honest, in one breath is quite nice. I do quite like it. And then in another breath, it's like, well, it's, it's you know, come on, it's five in the morning. I mean, you know, give it, give it a break. Just, just can you not set the alarm a little bit a little bit later. Tuesday. 
So it happened. The thing that was going to happen, or I think we probably all thought was going to happen, has happened, though I don't think it's the end of the story. But um, our Prime Minister, uh, and our Chancellor, and our Prime Minister's wife, actually, have all been found to have broken the law. And they've all received fixed penalty notices um, for um, a birthday party for the Prime Minister in number 10. Um, the interesting thing about it is that of all the events in number 10, for a lot of people, this was the one that was considered to be the most low level of all of them. This was actually considered to be a relatively, um, a relatively brief gathering um, and clearly has been defined as being a social event and that's how the Met have defined it. But I think a lot of people thought that if, if one was going to get away, then this one would get away, which of course means that there's a very good chance now he will get a further two, three or four uh, fixed penalty notices. So obviously it went quiet a little bit this afternoon as we waited to find out what Rishi Sunak was actually going to do. But as it turned out, Rishi Sunak uh, decided to come out and say that he wasn't resigning and that it was business as normal and, it, you know, I've paid the fine, move on. Um, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm beyond... I think I'm beyond getting annoyed about it because it's such an existential threat to democracy in the long term that I kind of can't deal with how serious it is. I mean, I don't know how it's not, um, uh, you know, breaking the ministerial code. I, I, I just don't see how that is not a thing. I don't know how we can't be looking and going, well, any fixed penalty notice in Downing Street in the government that he runs is not a resigning offence. And, and it's a little bit like the impeachment situation with Donald Trump with regard to the storming of the Capitol. If the storming of the Capitol was not an impeachment offence, then what actually is? And if this is not a resigning issue for the Prime Minister and the Chancellor, then what is? What do they actually have to do? We're now back to the whole Donald Trump thing of as he could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and it'd, be, and it'd be absolutely fine, he'd get away with it. And we're starting to head very much in that direction over here. And of course, the, the, the big thing is that everybody is now complicit. You know, I mean, I'm going to be writing to my MP over the weekend uh, and I don't quite know what his take on it will be, but every single one of those who MPs who says, look, he gets my support and we're hiding behind the excuse of it's not the right time to change a prime minister. Well, when is the right time to change a prime minister? When a prime minister's broken the law and for everybody saying, well, it's, a, it's the same as a speeding fine, it's not. These were laws that were brought in specifically uh, to protect lives in a, in, a, in a pandemic. I mean, aside from the fact that the death rate's going through the roof and we don't seem to be talking about COVID anymore, and that's a thing that we could get onto. But I, 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 the, the point here is, if not, if not now, then when? Because I don't know when that when will be if it's not if it's not now. Now what happened? Of course, you know the, my my concern is my concern is that the May elections go very badly, and ultimately they use that as a reason to get rid of him. Um, it's the wrong reason. If, if any if anybody in the Conservative Party has got any kind of moral centre, then they need to get rid of a Prime Minister that's broken the most basic of Covid legislation, which was about keeping people safe. Wednesday. 
I happened to hear on the radio today that Absolute 80s, um, which is a fantastic station, uh, you know, okay, there's adverts and there's, there's a lot of commercials in there, but anyway, fantastic station. Uh, on Friday, are doing a countdown of the top 100 or whatever best-selling singles of the 80s, right? Okay, so here's the point about this. Not, it'll be a fantastic thing to listen to, and I'm sure we'll tune in and out of it, but the 80s was the best decade for music discuss. And for a while, I thought the 80s was by far the best decade for music, simply because of what happened through the period where it started because it starts with you know the back end of punk uh, it moves us through uh, new romantic we have a, a, a dollop of hair rock in there we have some absolutely fantastic you know the start of manufactured well not manufactured pop there's plenty of manufactured pop before but we have a great dollop of manufactured pop we have some fantastic music that that supported uh, movies we get the start of dance music we get you know indie we get all sorts of stuff that kick off in the 80s we get the, we we get some r&b we get some crossover we get i mean you've got things like you know the the aerosmith run dmc crossover you know it just it, is there a better single decade in terms of variety and quality of musical output i mean just look at the classic albums that came out in the 80s just look at the acts that established themselves in the 80s just look at what we got through that decade and tell me there's a better decade of music uh, because i i don't i don't think there is uh, I think you had you had singles still being big, you had albums still being a thing. Um, everything was, you know, we were still into LPs, so albums were very much geared in that kind of um, that kind of, you know, five six songs on one side, five six songs on the other. You'd got obviously the whole move into uh, MTV. You got everything that that brought with it. You got all the the great videos and the great you know stuff that came and the creativity that came on the back of that. Can you? tell me there's a better decade for music than the 80s because i'm not convinced uh, i'm not convinced there is <laughs> To bring us back onto something more serious, we're going to have to talk about the whole Rwanda thing, the whole offshoring of migrants thing, the, the, this week's dead cat, because it seems remarkably um, fortuitous that this thing, this piece of red meat that will play well with certain people um, has, been, has been thrown out two days after we get the first batch of fines to actually uh, be, be touching senior senior people um the, it's very well calculated and i think the, the the problem with it is that it's designed to draw us in those people who class ourselves on the side of politics that i probably do this is designed to draw us all the way in because clearly it's inhumane clearly it's absolutely i mean i mean it's tantamount to people trafficking realistically we're just, we're just, you know, people who want to come and seek asylum in the UK and we're just moving them thousands and thousands of miles away um, for no real reason uh, other than we think it somehow plays well to a certain part of the electorate. But it's, it's, it's there as a spark for the culture war because whichever way around we look at it, if, you know, if you stand up and say this is a bad thing, then you're playing into the culture war 
you're playing into their hands. You know, because at the end of the day, the culture war we, it worked really well for Brexit. Uh, you know, as a populist argument, it's worked really well for Brexit. And, and they're desperately trying to uh, attach the same thing to something else. So um, they've tried and they are trying to attach it to um, the, or issues around the climate. So we're having a real good go at making um, anything to do with with climate change a cultural issue, and now we're having to, we're trying to restoke um, immigration and restoke you know restoke this kind of argument. So it's it's one of those where you just damned if you do, damned if you don't. Um, it's clearly a nonsense policy. It probably won't ever happen. A lot of these things probably, you know, don't ever happen. It's a trial at the moment. It's a bloody expensive trial, but it's a trial at the moment. Uh, whether it will actually work long term, I don't know, but it's designed to do the thing it is to get us all animated and get us to stop thinking about the fact that we have a petty criminal um, in number 10 and actually a petty criminal next door uh, and get us on to something get us onto something else. Um, I, I, I don't really have an enormous amount more to, to say about it than, than that, but to, to suggest that it's a humane policy, you know, but as I say, I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to get drawn in because even the language that's being used is designed to get me to shout at the radio or shout at the screen or shout into the void that is Twitter or whatever the social media thing is because that's that's where they want me they want me shouting about stuff like that and in reality that's not what i should be doing i should be doing as much as i possibly can to ensure that this awful awful debased morally vacuous government is got rid of as fast as can possibly um, be done <laughs> I'm pleased I got it all out of the way. I'm pleased I got the, the party gate and the fines and the Rwanda thing out of the way because it is Good Friday. And, um, and two things I wanted to talk about before I wrap up, and I'm also trying to make this a, um, a short TFM this week because it's a bank holiday weekend and you shouldn't be listening to me. You should be out doing other stuff. Um, I mean, not, you know, you might not be listening to me at all anyway, in which case you don't know that I've said that, but forget that for a moment. Um, two things. Two things. One is um, how painful a second defeat is in a day. So I've been over to see, uh, watch the football today. Sheffield United have played uh, Reading today. And Reading are, you know, bottom of the table. We're towards the top. I mean, it should have been a game we should have won today. As it happened, a lot of teams around the top have had a bad day today. But we should have won. We should have won today. Uh, and we were awful absolutely awful and we went 1-0 went down about 15 minutes into the game and a very very deserved goal uh, uh, a guy called Lucas Shaw uh, scored he always scored against us he used to score against us fairly regularly for Sheffield Wednesday um, and they, they deserved the goal uh, and they were the, certainly the, the better side um, and we go for the remainder of the match and we looked clueless we looked absolutely clueless like we could have played to midnight and one score and then of course what happens in the 89th minute we do score and we bring it back to one all. At which point, at which point, that that draw would have felt like a victory, because of how astonishingly awful we'd been all game. So we, you know, we would have taken the point and said, Do you know what? On any other given, we should we should lose today. Let's take the point. 
Uh, it might be vital come the end of the season. Let's just put it down to a bad day at the office and move on. Two minutes later, we're 2-1 down. And the second goal, when you're so close to getting something you actually don't deserve, that second defeat in the space of the game, effectively, because it felt like a second defeat, is so much worse. I would have rather lost 1-0, because over the course of the game, I'd accepted the fact that we were going to lose. I'd accepted the fact we were going to lose because we weren't very good. Um, and then I'm handed, I'm handed that moment of, um, of thinking, we're going to get something from this. I'm handed that moment. And of course, what do we do? We, we cling on to it for two minutes before we throw it away again. So it, the next time, I, I, I probably should have walked out the ground. I don't do that. I don't, as a rule, I don't leave football matches for the end. I've only done it once, and that was in West Brom. And we were 4-0 down, and I just wanted to get ahead of the traffic. Other than that, I don't walk out of games early. But I should have walked out today. Because losing 1-0 would have been better than effectively going 1-0 and then losing 2-1. Um, the other thing I wanted to say, with it being Good Friday, is, and it's the second thing I'm going to say with discuss at the end, except I don't think this is a discussion. I'm, I, I don't think the 80s, actually, in terms of music, is a discussion, but I could accept the fact that there could be a discussion around that. I don't think there's a discussion around this. There is only one Easter egg. There is only one Easter egg. There's only ever been one Easter egg. Um, and everything else is, is, is just, I don't know. In fact, I don't even know why anything else exists because actually you could just have this one Easter egg. And do you know what? I think the population would be happy. A button's Easter egg is the only Easter egg. It's just the only one. Um, you, you know, um, you know I, I, yeah, I appreciate Nestle needs to try and put an egg out there because they wouldn't have one. But ultimately, a Cadbury's Buttons Easter egg is the only Easter egg worth considering. It's just there. It's a classic. It's sorted. It's a done deal. You don't need to even think about it. No more discussion needs to be had. Cadbury's is by far the best Easter egg chocolate. Again, no discussion. It's decided. And the only thing you need in an Easter egg when you when you get through the egg to the treat in the middle is a pack of buttons. It's just as simple as that. So uh, if you're out there and you've got a different take on it and you prefer something different and you have a different favourite Easter egg, then I think it's nice and, and fair play to you, and fair play to you for sticking with it. Um, but I think in this particular instance, I just I just think you're wrong. So I wish you a very happy Easter. Please, uh, please stay safe and, and take care. And uh, if you've got a different Easter egg to a Buttons one, then make the best of it. Um, but I know that I've got an, uh, a Buttons Easter egg, and so I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the right side of Easter egg them. Um, no ifs, no buts, no babies. <laughs>